Speaking of praying, these are some prayers from children. Dear God, please send a new baby for mommy. The new baby you sent last week cries too much. (laughs) Debbie, age seven. Dear God, this is my prayer. Could you please give my brother some brain? So far, he doesn't have any. (laughs) Angela, age eight. Dear God, this I guess this is all for... Anyway, please give me a new brother. The one I got socks me all the time. Agnes, age six. Dear God, please help me in school. I need help in spelling, adding, history, geography, and writing. I don't need help in anything else. <laughs> Lois, age nine. Dear God, I need a raise in my allowance. Could you have one of your angels tell my father? Thank you. (laughs) David, age seven. Dear God, I am saying my prayers for me and my brother Billy because Billy is six months old and he can't do anything but sleep and wet his diapers. (laughs) Diane, age eight. We all have prayers. And some of our prayers are that funny, uh, whether we admit it or not. We are continuing our month of of prayer and fasting. Some of you, as a matter of fact, quite a number of you are participating in the Awaken Nashville initiative. I've been getting reports from folks that I know in other churches, not only in Wilson County, but around Middle Tennessee, that are participating and getting great reports. Uh, But even outside of Awaken Nashville, we've called Abundant Life Church to enter a time of prayer and fasting uh, until February the 24th. And so today, I wanted to talk about God's praying vice regents. And in doing this, one of the things we want to accomplish is that we would be motivated and encouraged to engage regularly with God. Now, you can determine the regularity. Uh, You can determine what that means. But there must be some engagement, regular engagement with God in some shape, some form, or some fashion. Um, And that will help us to realize our role in God's economy of rule in the earth. We'll we'll talk about that in a moment. That how we how do we participate in God's kingdom coming to the earth? And so that will hopefully that'll lead us to see ourselves as a bridge between heaven and earth. So you don't say, I don't feel like a bridge. Well, you are one. Say, everybody say, I are one. You, you, that hurt, didn't it? That hurt to use bad grammar. Um, I want to turn to 1 John chapter 5, and we're just going to read three verses here uh, and to, to get us uh, where we want to be. And after a while, for those of you who like to get ahead of the game, in a little while I'm going to ask you to turn to Luke chapter 11. And uh, if you want to make a note or whatever, but First John chapter 5, I'm going to read 13, 14, and 15. And if you wouldn't mind standing with me while we read the scriptures, we believe the word of God is holy. In verse 13, it says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the confidence that we have toward him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. 
And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. You can be seated. According to his will. Earlier in this letter, John writes, Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because, everybody say because. Because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. We have what we ask because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. The word confidence appears here, appears in 1 John 3, 21 and in our text. That we would have confidence if we pray according to his will. Confidence, really and truly, the term here really means the freedom to speak openly and frankly. That you could go before God like these children and you could speak openly and frankly. You might as well because God knows what you're thinking anyway. He knows what you're going to say anyway. But you go ahead and, and petition God and offer God your prayers openly and frankly because that's what confidence is. You come in to his presence wearing the righteousness of Jesus and that gives us confidence that we don't, you know, in, in the real world, if you approach a king's throne, you might get struck down. You approach the king's throne that we serve, there is no striking down because we walk in wearing the righteousness of Jesus. And God says, I, I recognize that. And confidence comes from praying his will. Confidence comes from our praying God's will. Praying according to his will. Well, here it is right here. According to is a word. I'm not going to worry about what the word is. According to is a word that means down from or from the top down. So when we pray according to his will, we're praying from the top down or we're praying from above. So what we learn from that, and we'll come back to that in a moment, is this statement. Prayers are pleas for God's ordained purpose to appear. How about you read that with me? Prayers are pleas for God's ordained purpose to appear. So what we're doing, we're praying for God's ordained purpose to appear in the earth. I like that. And he said in James, James writes, you do not have because you do not ask. And then he goes on, and I think the New Living gives us a great translation here. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. It is important what our motives are when we pray. It's important what our intention is. It's important what we're after. And so, again, through prayer, what we're doing, through prayer, we reach, watch this, we reach above, everybody say above, into God's purpose, and we release it down from there to here. We are reaching into heaven and getting a hold of what God's purpose is and releasing that through prayer into the earth. Everybody okay with that? 
which is when Jesus said, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth like it is in heaven. Much of that is, is gained by our praying God's kingdom into the earth. Of course, we know where that starts. I think I talked about it last week, but that starts when we draw a circle and we get in the circle and we say, God, bring your kingdom to the circle. Starts with us from above to below. Now, I know this is a little bit of overkill. Now, I said uh, overkill. That's of overkill. I have to speak not southern vernacular. So anyway, I'm going to give you some verses. I just want us to see this. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from, you read it, above. Coming down. Above, coming down. John 3.31, he who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth is from the earth. That's you. That's me. And he speaks of the earth. He who comes from heaven is above all. John 8.23, and he was saying to them, you are from below. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. Colossians, keep seeking the things above where Christ is and set your mind on the things above. And then James 3, this wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but it is earthly, natural, demonic. But the wisdom from above is first pure. You get the, I think you get the gist here. We're talking about above and below. And Jesus said, you're of the earth and you talk of the earth. I'm not of the earth. What Jesus is saying to you and he's saying to me is that through prayer, through engaging with God, we reach with our, with our prayers, we reach into his purpose, which is above, and we release that through prayer into the earth, which is below, and therefore we are his vice regents. So I'll, I'll come back to that in a moment. Being his vice regents, he said to his disciples, and this comes from the New American Standard Version, but I believe it's the most accurate in this particular case. Whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. What does that mean? That means that we have the authority to announce God's will, but not determine God's will. We have the authority to announce what is bound, but we don't have the authority to determine what is bound. You're getting ahead of God if you do that. So prayer is essentially a partnership of the redeemed child of God working hand in hand with God toward the realization of his redemptive purposes in the earth. Working hand in hand with God. God does not give us the license to determine. He gives us the authority to pray and release his will in the earth through our prayers. E.M. Bounds, who was a great writer and speaker on prayer, wrote that God's cause is committed to men. God commits himself to men. Praying men and women are the vice regents. They didn't have any women back then. They just write that way. Praying men are the vice regents of God. They do his work and carry out his plans. Vice regents are just those we, we work for God. He's in heaven. 
we're on the earth and we're doing his bidding. And one of the main ways we do his bidding is praying according to his will. Y'all believe that? Some people say, well, how can I, how can I know that I'm praying God's will? How can I really know that I'm praying what he wants? You heard me say this. Well, there are a lot of ways, but the main way is to read this book. This book right here. It is full of examples of how God thinks. It's full of what God's will is. It's full of his purpose. It's full of his direction. If you read, the more you read this book, the more you hear God's voice because you know what it sounds like. If you, if you don't read this book and you don't hear this book, you might de- determine all kinds of things that are God's will. I hear things all the time, and you do too, that people say, well, that's God's will. Well, I, I don't think so. You know, in the extreme examples, you know, you've heard examples I have of, of, of a lady or a man, uh, or we'll just say a lady in this case, because I actually heard a lady say this, that said, hey, I'm called to preach. I'm leaving my family behind, and I'm going to travel the world. And, and, and even to the extreme, I'm going to leave my husband because he, God's called me to go preach around the world. You, well, I don't think that fits. That's an extreme example, but... From that, we know what God's will is and what God's will isn't, so we know how to pray. If you don't know what to pray, my goodness, just pray the Scriptures. Turn to Psalms. Just pray the Psalms. God honors His Word. Lord, help me. And so what we got to do is we got to we got to understand that there's no room for timidity in our prayer. No room for being timid in our praying. And that brings me to Luke 11, if you haven't turned already. And this is the story of the beggar knocking on the door during the night. I'm taking up in the middle of the story in verse 9. And he said, I tell you, ask. Can I, can I read this to you in, as it is written in the original language? I heard that sound like a yes to me. It says, and I tell you, ask and keep on asking. And it will be given to you. Seek and keep on seeking. And you will find, knock and keep on knocking, and that will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will be opened. And then we see something of the character of God. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, did you know God just called you evil? Not you women. He's talking about the fathers. (laughs) Know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? No timidity in prayer because Jesus says to us, here's what I want you to do. I want you to ask, but I don't want you to stop there. I want you to keep on asking. I want you to seek, but don't stop there. Keep on seeking. I want you to knock, but don't stop there. Keep on knocking. And when you do that, you will, you will find what you're looking for. You will find what you're seeking for. You will find what you're knocking and trying to get into. If you don't, if you don't let up, if you're not timid in your prayer, Jesus in this passage is challenging his followers to raise their expectations when it comes to the presence of God in their lives. 
He's saying you raise your expectations of what you're going to find when you approach my throne. Raise your expectations. Understand my character. That if you ask me for a piece of bread, I'm not going to give you a rock. If you ask me for a fish, I'm not going to give you a snake. The character of God. God's will is that we ask. Would you say that with me? God's will is that we ask. Jack Hayford said the biggest problem is not unanswered prayers, but rather unoffered prayers. Not that God would not answer our prayers, because he does answer our prayers, but is that we don't offer the prayers. He also said the devil can't stop God from answering prayer. Can you imagine the devil trying to stop God from answering a prayer? Oh, no, no, God, you can't do that. Watch me. But he can stop you and me from being vessels of prayer. He can, he can rob you and rob me of the blessing of being God's vice regents in the earth. If I, if I am timid and I say, well, somebody else will do that. Guy Kings, no one said this. No one is a firmer believer in the power of prayer than the devil. Not because he practices it, because he suffers from it. The devil would love, the enemy would love to keep you and me from praying. He would love to keep you and me timid. He would love for us to be afraid, you know, like worrying. Well, you know, if I might confuse God. If I pray the wrong thing, I might confuse God. Yeah, I'm really worried about confusing God. You know, I'm sure God's sitting in heaven right now, wringing his hands, worrying that you and I are going to pray the wrong thing. I bet he's nervous. No, he's not. We might think that uh, we might force his hand and cause him to have to violate his eternal purpose if we pray the wrong thing. No, that's not going to happen. It, it, we might think God answers our prayer and then sits on the throne and looks over at the sun and said, why did I ever let that happen? How did that ever happen? You know, one word God never says is oops. <laughs> never says oops. God never says, that, that surprised me. I didn't see that coming. How could I have ever let that person pray that prayer? My, it doesn't work that way, saints. We're praying according to his will. If we don't pray, James said, if you don't pray according to his will, you're not going to get it. Forget it. If you ask just to seek for your own motives and your own pleasure, it might as well drop to the floor. It's not reaching the ceiling. Don't be timid. What we are are watchmen on the wall. What we are are those people that God has placed in the earth. Isaiah said it this way, On your walls, O Jerusalem, I have set watchmen. All the day and all the night, they shall never be silent. You who put the Lord in remembrance, take no rest. Put What's that? Put the Lord in remembrance. Well, you know, God's old, and he's forgetful. <clears throat> God's never forgot anything except your sins. And that's because he cast them as far as the east is from the west, and he said, their sins I will remember no more. But other than that, he hadn't forgot a thing. So what is he talking about? God's servants, 
He's talking about God's servants who, by their prayers, put God in remembrance of his promises. The truth is, we're not reminding God of his promises. We're reminding us of his promises. And God says, I think I got a, I don't know if I have a slide or not. In Isaiah 43, he says, put me in remembrance. I'm telling you, put me. In other words, what he's saying is, pray my will, pray my word back to me. Not because he needs it, because we need it. You get it? And what we're doing is releasing God's own desire into the earth when we do that. And we're not attempting to adjust him or his desire. We're not attempting to cause our desire to be his desire. But we're released when we call his promises into remembrance, we are releasing his desire into the earth. How many of you understand that's a good thing? Soren Kierkegaard, I'm, I guess that's how you say his name, Kierkegaard probably. Danish theologian said, prayer does not change God, but it changes him who prays. Let's never adopt an idea that when we pray, we're, we're changing God. I do not want a God I can change. I do not want a God who I can cause him to do differently than what he wants to do. I do not want a God who will lay aside his eternal order to satisfy my whims. I want a God who when I pray, I'm praying his desires. I want a God that when I pray, it does not change him, but it changes me. And when I'm done, the end result is that his eternal purpose and order is realized in the earth the way he intended. Ezekiel wrote, I sought for a man among, among them who should build up the wall and stand in the breach or the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it, but I found none. What if God was searching the, the scripture that Becky wrote? What if God was searching today for one person to, to humble ourselves and pray and seek his face and he couldn't find one person? What would happen to our land? Thank God he doesn't have to look far. Thank God when he looks for that person or persons to stand in the gap that he can find that person who will do that. And so what we're doing when we're praying according to his will as his vice regents, we are mining the invisible. We're mining the invisible. First Timothy says, now to the king, we sing this sometimes, now to the king eternal, immortal, everybody say invisible. The only God or the only wise God in some versions, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Invisible to the king Invisible. We can't see God physically. Sometimes we see him so well in the spirit that it's almost like physically. But we don't see him physically. He's invisible. It says Jesus is the head and we are his body. We're the visible manifestation of Jesus Christ in the earth. And some of us just need to go ahead and say, oh me. His body I'm talking about. We're, the Bible says that his church is the fullness of him. The church is the fullness of him who fills all in all. 
So we, in the visible, are mining and releasing the invisible. So you're expecting to hear Twilight Zone music any moment, I know. It's not that far out, folks. And here we are, earthly beings, full of the Holy Spirit, full of God, with the authority and the responsibility to pray His will from from above into the earth. And the Holy Spirit is our connector to the invisible. God's Holy Spirit is our connector to what's above. It's, It's the third part, the third member of the Godhead. The Holy Spirit, capital H, capital S, because He is God. And He is the one who causes us to be able to connect with the invisible. Colossians says, In whom, speaking of Christ, are hidden all, say all. Say it like you believe it. In whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. All the treasures are hidden in Christ. You and I, through our prayers, we mine what's hidden and we release it in the earth through our prayers. See how important it is for us to engage with God and pray according to His will as His vice regents. We're mining treasure. Watchman Nee said it this way. Our prayers lay the track down on which God's power can come. Like a mighty locomotive, his power is irresistible, but it cannot reach us without rails. I'm not going so far as to say, as some have, that God can't do it if we don't pray it. God can do anything he wants to do. But God's economy of rule in the earth is such that he wants you and me to participate with him as vice regents and he wants us to be the vehicle by which his will is done in the earth through our prayers, obviously, as well as through our actions. But we're talking about prayers today. He wants us to see that his will He desires for his will to be done in the earth and he wants you and he wants me and he wants all of God's people on the face of the earth to be able to pray according to his will that we would reach into the above and bring his will into the below. You say, that's kind of overwhelming. That's why we have the Holy Spirit. Because we don't have to make it happen, saints. You don't have to make it happen. And sometimes we pray and we pray timidly because we're afraid that we're going to pray and it's not going to happen. I'm afraid to pray and it's not going to happen. Guess who's responsible for whether or not it happens? It's not you. It's not me. It's our Heavenly Father. He's responsible for whether or not it happens. You're responsible and I'm responsible for praying God's purpose, praying God's will in the earth. And then let God do what God does. Sometimes we say, well, God didn't answer our prayer. Well, actually, he just didn't answer it when you thought he should. Or the way you should, he should. And sometimes, as we've alluded to earlier, sometimes we pray and God doesn't answer. His answer is, uh, go back and try that again. God's purpose. God's will. 
So, we finish with this verse, which we quote many times. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Therefore, let us draw near. I said a few weeks ago that we really need to make sure that we communicate, especially to the young people, that God is a God who is near. We have far too much deism and other kinds of isms that communicate that God is distant, that God is far away, that he is not reachable, that he is not available, and that you know, the best we can hope for is just to use the good sense that God has given us. But God is near. And so we draw near with confidence to pray that we might receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. Do you have something? Okay, we'll get that in a moment. I'm calling us as God's people to see ourselves as his vice regents, as those who do his bidding in the earth through our prayers. You say, I'm not a grand theologian. That's good. Sometimes that gets in the way. Sometimes you, you, you anyway, sometimes that just gets in the way. It's not, it's not really all that important. It's good to study the scriptures, but to be this, this uh, well-versed theologian is not always what you need to be. What you need to be is a willing and available and to pray God's will. And don't be nervous. If you, if you pray something that's not God's purpose, he's not going to strike you. It may not happen, but he's not going to strike you. Get in the word, folks. Get in the word of God. We, we, just, we just are in a season that just saddens me that we're in a season where a lot of the church, not all of the church, I'm not even sure most, but a lot of the church has abandoned the truth of the scriptures and departed from preaching the word of God. You don't know how many people come in, have come in those doors over the years from other places, and I'm not going to name places, other parts of the country, and said to me, today's the first time in years that I've heard the scripture read in church. That our preacher would just get up and start talking some nice stuff, but never read scripture and never never reference scripture. That's sad. I'm calling you. Don't wait for me. You're going to hear the scripture from this pulpit, no matter whether it's me or somebody else. They don't get in this pulpit unless I know them, and I know them well. But even beyond that, let God's word guide you in your prayer and in you releasing God's will into the earth. Will you do that? Say it louder. Yes. Chris, come give us an update on Deb Bledsoe. For those of you who didn't notice, she fell a while ago and they took her to the emergency room. A second ago. And, um, Glad you she, read that. Good. Yeah, I, I barely can. But uh, she apparently has... Um, has a lot of bleeding and some soft tissue swelling in her head. And they're going to stop the bleeding, do stitches, and then they'll take her for a CT scan to make sure she doesn't have a skull fracture. 
Lord Jesus, we pray once again for Deb Bledsoe. That you, that you would continue to do your work in her, in her body, in her little frail body, Lord Jesus. And that you would give the doctors wisdom, revelation by your spirit, Lord Jesus. And today, as we have looked at your word, and we have paid attention to what you said about praying according to your will, we understand our role as your vice regents, in that you call us to pray your purpose, to pray your will in the earth, that we would pray what's the will of God in heaven. We would pray that in the earth so that we could see your will coming from above to below. Help us to have the mind of Christ. Help us to be full of your Holy Spirit so that we can pray according to your will and purpose. And Lord, I pray also that you would just open our eyes, that we could see the value and the importance that we have in your economy of rule in the earth, that we could see the role that you have assigned to us as your people. Not that we we change you and not that we determine your will, But we announce your will and let you be God. Give us the prayers to pray so that you, our God, can answer. So we thank you today for calling us. We thank you for gifting us. We thank you for giving each person under the sound of my voice a mission. Every one of us have a mission. And every one of us have the same mission in that we are all called to pray according to your will. And we understand that if we pray according to your will, we will see what we've asked for, Lord Jesus. Lord, I pray today that the power of your Holy Spirit would go with each one of us as we walk out of this building today and that what we have heard and felt and sensed and received from you would not be retained in this building but would be out there outside these walls out there where we live and work and play. And we would bring with us the kingdom of God wherever we go. I thank you, and I pray in the name of Jesus. And everybody said...